What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Certainly a lot going on in the Middle East, which, you know, we don't talk about every day now. Um, but it is, no question, the big story. And, um, you know... We have other things to cover, but I do make sure, and I want to make sure we get um, things covered. I wanted to run you, you know, if ever you wondered why I have very little faith, if not any, in the United Nations, I'm going to run you some audio that I think sums up why none of us should really take them all that seriously. But take a listen to this reporter question, because again, this was one of the big issues that Israel faced, was like justifying why, why you're going in and doing all these things, and tunnels were a big, big part of it, like... Everyone's known about tunnels for a long time. Uh, everyone but the United Nations, apparently, but uh, don't hear much about them now. Take a listen. I was just wondering, given the UN's big role in Gaza, UNRWA, it's, it, the role it's played in humanitarian efforts, has there ever been any indication to the UN that tunnels, you know, tunnels are being built under the city? Not to us. I mean, uh, it seems to me that all this infrastructure were was built uh, in a highly secretive way. I mean, it just I see it as a as as an observer. So I mean, it's uh, it, to, to think that the UN had any uh, understanding of what was you know of uh, any information about those operations. I think is uh, is no is clearly the answer to that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No one in the United Nations knew. I mean, despite the fact that hundreds of millions around the world knew, but no one, no one at the United Nations knew that there were hundreds of miles of sophisticated tunnels under Gaza that Hamas used. Apparently, they just all appeared secretly, despite Israel warning the world about them. This is the kind, these are the people that are, are judging Israel. But I did think that was worth the hear, the listen to. But as this uh, war wages on, certainly, United States is now asking Israel to scale back. And then there's already talk, and there has been for a couple of weeks, about what happens after and calls for a two-state solution. But how do you, how do you ta- have a ta- two-state solution when just two days ago Hamas issued a very blunt statement saying, quote, we reject a two-state solution. There is only a solution, and that is to get rid of the Jews from Israel. I don't think he stuttered. That was two days ago. So it's hard to find a solution when the other side wants you dead. And Benjamin Netanyahu, for now, is saying he's not scaling back. Vivian Berkovici is former ambassador of Canada to Israel. It has been a while since we chatted, Vivian, so I thank you for your time. I think you're still in Israel, correct? Correct. There you go. Um, there's a bunch of stuff going on, certainly, um, right now. But what do you make of the, the, the latest, um, you know, when we talk about what Hamas wants and, and the demands on Israel, right? Because Israel has all the demands and Hamas does not. And paint a scene as to the feeling where you are. Um, it depends on the issue that you're talking about. If you're talking about hostages or uh, which is kind of all anyone here thinks about 24 seven, but in general um, it's, it's just, it's an absurdity. It's surreal. And the way in which so much of the world seems to have just kind of become smitten with Hamas, yeah. which is a which is a death cult. I mean, they, they they it's violent, it's ISIS-like, it's Islamist. They absolutely hate and feel that death is the only appropriate answer or end for anybody other than you know devout Muslims. 
and they say it. They, they have no problem saying it. So, um, I mean, the context about in which you're asking the question, of course, you know, matters. I always think about when you look at the uh, so-called hostage exchanges mm-hmm. or exchanges of prisoners for hostages. Why is it always like, you know, one Israeli hostage will be released and three people from an Israeli prison, mm-hmm. three, you know, Gazans or or um, people from the West Bank? Why, why is the ratio three to one? I don't know. You got a good answer for me. And that's good. That's an improvement on the past. Yeah. But but the bottom line is, I mean, a lot of, of what is, is going on, certainly, you know, domestic issues with Benjamin Netanyahu mm. played into this. And so, I, you know, you, you have talked a lot about the domestic situation way before October 7th and the anger in the country and the calls for elections and some of the things that he was trying to do, um, you know, overpowering certain laws and that. He's not a popular guy in many places. And so I think that adds a lot to the criticism of Israel. I'm not sure it helps the situation. But how is it playing Vivian then on the ground uh, with, you know, his comments, they're not going to pull back. Do people there think that he's the right guy for the job right now and that he should stay? No, I think that uh, the, the antipathy towards Benjamin Netanyahu in Israel is far wide and deep. Um, the dissatisfaction on so many levels. So, but I don't, I don't necessarily buy the connection that that's why the world is kind of pressuring, pressuring Israel or pushing harder on issues. I don't think it would matter if you know right. Bozo the clown was in power here. Um, so, from that perspective, I think that you know the fact that Netanyahu is in power, he's just another Israeli guy, and I think it's different um, at different points from his lack of popularity domestically. Black popularity domestically um, was was very very deep and and well entrenched before the war. Since sure. the war, it's become even deeper. Just he, he he needs to go, and everyone around him needs to go. And this country needs a fresher start with political interests and players, not just Netanyahu. Many of them. Oh yeah, no, no. They've qu- gotten us into this horrible mess, you know. And so when we turn to talk of a two-state solution, which I'm not sure how that conversation even happens right now, given where we're at, um, the, I mean, our prime minister apparently thinks that this is the solution. You've heard about it from the United States. I don't even know how that can be a, a, a conversation at this point. Yeah, I don't really understand it either. Um, and moderate Israelis, including uh, President Herzog, everybody is saying this is just not a time when we can speak of this. We just suffered the most savage, heinous attack um, on this country and on Jewish people since the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And um, the popularity of Hamas in the West Bank is also very high. You know, there was a recent poll where uh, West Bank residents were asked, uh, if there's an election tomorrow, who would you vote for? And something like 75 or 80% said Hamas. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we live in a very extreme environment. The region is very extreme, and it seems that extreme islamism is only growing in popularity not decreasing we've got pockets and areas all over the the middle east yeah, where pockets all over here are in control and in canada exactly so like i mean i hate to say it but really we're going to have a two state solution you've been here you have some sense as to how tiny this place is i haven't been to israel i was I just my husband and certainly okay. his family and my family there yeah i mean it's how, I, I think the the basics keeps coming back to, well, how do you have a two-state solution when, when one side wants you dead? It's very difficult to, to kind of come to an agreement on that. Maybe kind if of, October yeah. 7th hadn't happened, <laughs> maybe that conversation would still go on. But I think October 7th, 
dulled and blunted that that conversation? Certainly for the immediate future. There's just no one to talk to and nobody will talk about it. You know, I was just down in the South a few days ago at one of the uh, kibbutzim that was, was just destroyed um, during the yeah. attack. And um, I'll tell you, <laughs> these are not people who want to make peace with you. I know that there's an old saying, you know, you only make peace with your enemies, but uh, they're enemies and they're enemies. Yeah, and um, it just seems to get uh, worse and worse, and the vitriol gets worse and worse as this goes on. I mean, we've got people here in, in Canada, in Toronto, singing tunes about mm-hmm. the, apparently the youthies. <laughs> youthies are, uh, which no one's heard about because I don't think they ever put their TikTok down. They're not new. They've been around for a while, but they're just, now they're cheering yeah. for them. I mean, the, the Hezbollah, Houthi, Hamas um, have all been somehow rewritten into uh, a heroic resistance. And I'm not sure how that exactly, happened yeah. and how it's been accepted. I don't know. I mean, you'd have to ask, you know, people like Heather McPherson in Canada and others who um, embrace these groups um, and and what they're doing. The Houthis, um, and I don't, I don't single her out for any particular reason other than that she's particularly active on social media. Yeah. And I believe she's on a trip in the region right now, but she's got plenty of company. Um, you know, the Houthis, their actual flag uh, has like five slogans written on it or something. And, you know, they're all like basically kill the Jews, destroy Israel, like... It's, they make no secret of it. They don't hide it. Um, and the Houthis are, you know, they're they're an a insurgent group within Yemen and they're actual slave traders and really, really kind of medieval in, in how they approach life. And they've, again, become the darling of this completely um, uninformed, misguided mm-hmm. sort of woke left in Canada because, you know, the demonstrations and Canada are a combination of the sort of what they, they call themselves progressive left. There's nothing progressive about them. And um, and the Islamists, you know, Muslims who are Islamists. And it's a combination of both. And what they have in common is absolutely nothing other than their extreme hatred of Israel and Jews. Chatting about the latest of what's going on between the war with Israel and Hamas. And certainly uh, this week, uh, the Prime Minister making clear he wants a two-state solution. He's been much less clear on his stance of why he is, um, you know, what side he's taking with South Africa on taking Israel to the Hague. He's kind of given a whole bunch of different answers, but we are very much an outlier. We aren't even aligned with our allies on this situation. I mean, even France, which has been very critical of Israel, says accusing Israel of genocide crosses a moral threshold and constitutional political exploitation. So they don't, he, you know, France doesn't back this court case by Africa. Uh, none of our allies do. And yet Trudeau, who, don't forget, com- accused this country of committing gen- genocide, has been very, very gray on this area. But the Israeli ambassador to Canada certainly had something to say about it, expressing dismay at Canada's weak response among our G7 allies and uh, really in regards to this farce of the South African application. And we stand alone. We're talking to Vivian Berkovich, who's a former ambassador of Canada to Israel, is in Israel. What's being said, um, Viv, about this kind of, um, you know, our, our standing here, which is not our standing in the past? What are they saying about the can- Canada? A lot of shock and dismay in Israel with respect to Canada that's kind of set in over the last few months since October 7th. And at this point, um, I think it's fair to say that Canada is not only just completely irrelevant in the eyes of in the eyes of Israelis, 
but they're just beyond let down and disgusted. Canada was seen as being fair and decent and good in the world, not just vis-a-vis Israel. But, you know, we always stood, I think, you know, from all of my life, as just being, you know, painfully fair. That's the Canadian credo. That's our identity, fair and just, peacemakers. But not now, and certainly not in this context. Um, And, you know, Justin Trudeau has really made a mess out of his, uh, the relationship between Canada and Israel from the very beginning of this war with imprudent, uh, just downright stupid comments, ill-informed, jumping to blame Israel for things that it hasn't done, attacking Israeli politicians. And he's been hit back by political leaders and uh, civil society leaders, the political leaders from left to right on the spectrum. He's just openly, I think, disdained and disregarded. And the good thing is that on the world stage, Canada now under his leadership is is a joke. We're not taken seriously at all by anyone, no one. So the fact that we're sort of sitting there one day, you know, we support, the next day we don't, the next day, the South African application, the next day we might. I mean, this is genocide. Israel is being hauled before the International Court of Justice and being charged with genocide. That's a very serious accusation. It has not been leveled at any other country in the world, except one, and I think this was Serbia. But it's, it's outrageous. And the fact that South Africa is raising it. If you as a country, as a serious G7 country, cannot sit down and assess the facts and the law and come to a conclusion as to whether or not you support this application asking the court to find Israel guilty of genocide, then you're just not a serious country. You're a joke. That he says one day we agree with the premise or disagree with the premise, (laughs) whatever that means. No one understood what that means. And then the next day he's saying, we're going to sort of side with the court. Like, what are you saying? Well, you I know, think he's saying what will ever not appease. how serious countries work. Yeah, I mean, look, they're trying to appease uh, the, the electorate. And in moments like this, this is not about that, and, and you can't do it. Having said that, can it be repaired? Do you see it being repaired? I mean, my husband's South African. They, he knows what's going on. He's just like, you know, and he's Jewish. Yeah, and he's bet. looking at this going like, really? What's going on? But I, I, we have our own conversations. But is this something yeah. that can be fixed? Because I'm not so sure it can. Between Canada and Israel? But even just the last four months of what we've seen that's gotten very little pushback, very kind of little condemnation, the fact that, you know, we got people chanting, you know, chants of Yemen now and Houthis. Oh. I mean, do you see it ever course correcting or, or healing? Oh, you mean like so the whole bigger picture in terms yeah. of what's going on in the world and the way in which Israel's being vilified and the marches and all of that? Um, I, I think we're at the beginning of something very, very grim, to be honest. Um, so I'm not going to sort of suggest, you know, when you say course correcting, I don't see an imminent kind of Disney ending here. Um, but I, I just don't, I wish I did, but I don't. Having said that, um, I think the West is going to figure out if they haven't already very quickly that this is not just about the Jews in Israel. There are a lot of other things about the West that, uh, this movement hates and, um, there are multiple targets and the, the biggest target our Western liberal democracies, period, not just Israel. So as special as we might seem at the moment here, we're actually not. 
All right. Well, look, I very much appreciate your time. Uh, I know you work a lot and very long hours, um, certainly. I appreciate it. And we uh, always enjoy the conversation. Vivian, take care. Thanks for having me, Alex. Always great chatting. That is Vivian Berkovich, former ambassador of Canada uh, to Israel, joining us. And so that is the latest. We'll continue to follow that.